Good morning and welcome. Isn't it good to be together and and just in God's presence? So incredible. And uh, this series we are in, We Are One, is such a reminder as well that it's bigger than than any one place. That that in fact, uh, if you're online with us right now, just to let us know you're there, drop the little earth emoji and the praying hands. And in here, I want us to be reminded that we are one. We are one as a church. The, the heart and the goal is to be one. But we also are one with all the believers all over the world. And we're in a day and age where there's a lot of heavy things going on, isn't there? And I just want to take a pastoral moment to, to actually, before we even get into the word, to just pray over our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, our brothers and sisters in Haiti. And then even those that are still trying to figure out, like many of us, what to do with COVID here in our country. Boy, it got quiet on that one. I know you're sick of hearing about it, but it's still here and we need to pray. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we just come to you now and we thank you that there is all authority in your son, Jesus Christ, and that you delegate that authority to your sons and daughters, as a part of your church, your global church. We are one, we are unified, and our hearts are heavy and hurting for those in Afghanistan. We've all, many of us have seen the images and the pictures and the video clips of the struggle that is there. And so we just ask, Father, that you would be present in a powerful way with our brothers and sisters within that country. We struggle to get to church in a comfortable building they literally risk their life. And so, Father, we just ask that you would strengthen the church, be with our uh, armed forces that are heading there again. God, we pray that you would bring peace to that place and protect every life. Father, we lift up Haiti. We thank you for the missionaries and the believers on the ground there, some that even Pathway has supported over the years. Again, may your grace be there as they rebuild after this earthquake country already devastated, Father. Only you and your divine intervention is able to lead them into the next season. And we pray for that and prompt us to continue to lift up our brothers and sisters that are there sharing the gospel and your grace and being an encouragement in such a dark time. And Father, here in our country and throughout the world, there's still a pandemic, as you know. You've allowed it. You haven't authored it. And Father, we're asking for you to continue to intervene We pray for faith over fear, for wisdom over foolishness, for love over hate, that we would each know and create the freedom for each other to follow our convictions, and that through this season, we would see a victory, not just over COVID, but for the body of Christ coming together. And now, Lord, as we turn to your word, we just pray that you would speak and have your way. May it go forth to accomplish the purpose for which you are sending it. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. 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 You can turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And if you're not a note taker, today would be a good day to start. We're going to cover a lot of ground today. And I want to be as practical as I can be because I think that's what the Apostle Paul, who in this particular section was doing. He, we need to be reminded, well, I'll get there in a minute, but, but I want to just celebrate a few things that, that have to do even with uh, where we're going in the message. So the first is, maybe you heard yesterday, there was a, an incredible women's brunch. Let me show you a picture. 
And uh, isn't this amazing to see? God is moving in our women's ministry, and uh, hopefully this fires you up. They'll launch every Wednesday night in October, and uh, God is moving and working there in some really, really cool ways. I want to remind you that you can sign up for these things, so we have a slide here to just help you, because in our text, we're entering into a place where Paul has just addressed men and women, children in the workplace, and so we're a church that believes that we're here to journey together, amen? And we want to encourage you and equip you, and so we have Monday night men coming in the fall, Wednesday night women, and we have a workshop for parents, and so you can get the info there to sign up and to be a part of that. Now, as I said, Paul has, has laid this out through chapter 5 to all of these different groups. And, and as we get into today, it's clear that he is going to let us understand that, that it isn't going to be easy. That, that, in fact, the struggle is real. Can you say that with me? The struggle is real. And as we look at this today, let me read to you the text, the first few verses out of Ephesians 6. He frames it for us, and I want to be clear on this uh, right out of the gate before I even read it. The Apostle Paul had one of the best educations in that day and age you could possibly have. He he was educated under a rabbi named Gamil. Uh, Think of somebody who has like multiple doctorate degrees. Okay, I, I have a doctorate degree. Paul would have had multiple because of his time spent with Gamil. Now, Paul also was somebody that, that, with that education, also had some very practical experiences in the world, things that he writes about that actually are a little bit strange, that are a little bit unusual. And so I want us to take this into account because sometimes when we start talking about the struggle and, and the things Paul's going to bring to light, we can dismiss it as fanaticism or as, you know, for for crazy people, when in fact Paul was anything but crazy. In fact, what Paul wanted people to understand is, listen, you are not just going up against the people in front of you, that there is a battle in the heavenly realms that is just as difficult and and defines in many ways why the struggle is so real. And so I want to be careful that as we get into this today, we don't dismiss it too quickly and we don't overemphasize it either, because sometimes we can go too far with it, okay? We're all on the same page? You're like, where is he going today? Oh, it's, it's going to be fun. Here we go. Verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Paul is helping them to see that there is a real struggle, but there's also a God who's able. And so I want to break this down into four basic categories with this idea, an acronym of REAL. R, if you're a note taker, which you should be today because it'll help, is R is recognize the war and the ultimate warrior. You see, what we need to understand is there is a battle. Paul is saying, listen, you're seeing what's in front of you. You're seeing the situation that maybe you battled with this week with a relationship, whether it's a family member or a 
a uh, co-worker. Maybe it's actually in the way in which you're seeing things right now unfold politically in our country. Governments and foreign entities as well. Like We can see this stuff and forget that there is an enemy that's behind all of it that would love nothing more than to divide us, destroy us, distract us, and discourage us. See, Paul is saying, listen, there's principalities, there's hosts of wickedness, there's things that are off in the heavenly realms. And and I can remember as a kid realizing that if eternity is really what it is, then the eternal realm is even more real than the one I'm standing in. That, that in fact, if I'm going to live in eternity in a realm that includes heaven and earth, that why would I dismiss the things happening in the heavenly realm? This just makes sense. And so Paul's saying, listen, we need to be aware and to recognize. But here's the problem. Sometimes we can get so caught up in that that we can go too far. We can blame everything on the devil when in fact sometimes it's just you're being a chump. <laughs> right? Yeah, there, first amen of the morning. Here we go. Talk back church. Let's roll. It's the truth that, that in fact he's saying you need to be aware because you're going to face things. And sometimes those things, and, and we need to understand this about the enemy. He doesn't want any credit. He doesn't want any fame. He doesn't want to be known because his end game is given to us in John 10.10. In John 10, 10, actually, Jesus says to us that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He he knows he's been defeated. He knows that ultimately Jesus is returning and he's going to be cast into hell, locked up forever. Amen? And he knows that, that that's coming. So in the meantime, his strategy is to steal, kill, and destroy and take as many people with him as he can. He doesn't care if you know it's him. He doesn't want credit. Think about what that means in our American culture where everyone wants fame. He doesn't care. He just wants to take you and I out. But, but the flip side of that verse is so important, right? Jesus said, I came to give life and life abundantly. And this is what Paul is getting at is to realize, listen, there is a war and a struggle and it's real. Recognize it. Engage with God in it. But as we recognize it, realize that this war has an ultimate warrior. That in fact, it said, be strong in the Lord, mighty in his power. As a kid, my dad would drop me off and every single day, and I do this with my kids today, he would lead with that verse. He would say, as I got out of the car, didn't matter the age or stage, when he was dropping me off, he would say, be strong in the Lord. And my response was, and mighty in his power. My dad just kept dripping that and dropping that into my life and spirit. Because we have to realize that we're not going to win this battle. In fact, you'll see in these scriptures, we're not actually called to fight the battle because the battle's already won. We're called to stand and to be strong in the Lord. And for those of you that look at Jesus and you're like, I I don't know. Like, didn't he die half naked on a cross? Didn't he get the tar beaten out of him? Yeah, that's true. But that's not the whole story. You see, in Luke 9, 51, it says that Jesus actually went to Jerusalem and set his face resolutely to go. No fear. Going into the heart of darkness, knowing what was going to happen, he was a warrior. Colossians 1, verse 14 and 15. 
takes it even further. It, it says that, in fact, he nailed to the cross all of the things that you and I battle with, our sins, these principalities, these things, that he nailed it all to the cross, that it was a public display of triumph and victory. And when he rose from the dead, Satan was put on notice. Your time is over. That Jesus is resurrected and has the victory. Our ultimate strength is in the Lord. We don't need to fear the battle. And so spiritual warfare is a reality, but it's not the focus. Some of us need to hear this so clearly today because we can become aware of spiritual warfare and we can give it more attention than it needs. That in fact, we're aware of it, but we don't give our attention to it. We give our attention to the Lord. Is this connecting? Because you all need to make sure that we don't come out of this being so aware of spiritual warfare that we give attention to it because it will discourage us and weigh us down. He's saying, listen, recognize the warrior, the ultimate warrior, and turn to him and focused on him. Now, he's writing to this church in Ephesus, and you can imagine as he's writing this that they're running through their minds some of the things they've seen in their own community. That, that in fact, for them, this was very real because they had seen principalities and powers. This was a large city, a city filled with pluralism and the worship of other idols and things. There was prostitution and slavery and things that, that were just of the enemy. And, and in the middle of all of that, there was a moment in Acts chapter 19, that I'm sure, in fact, we'll see that the word had spread. Let me read it to you. In Acts 19, this had just happened prior to Paul writing the letter to Ephesians. Picking up in verse 11 of Acts 19, it says, And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Y'all, they got the pants beat off them, literally. Can you imagine, like, taking such a beating? It's right here in the text. They fled the house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus. Both Jews and Greek, everybody had heard the story, right? Fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who were now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. They counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase, say increase, And prevail, say prevail, mightily. You see, when we recognize who the real warrior is, Paul was seeing God move. 
And somebody else tried to imitate what Paul was doing, but they didn't know God, did not know Jesus in the same way. And they literally got their tails kicked. We need to recognize the war and the ultimate warrior. And then secondly, the E, we need to engage with God. We need to engage with God and to understand that we aren't called to to win the battle on our own. We engage with God. We engage with Jesus. We realize that Jesus has the victory. What happened in that story was they acted like Paul, but they didn't actually know Jesus. It's so critical that we understand that it's the relationship with Jesus that gives us the victory. And so part of what's happening here is not just engaging, but there's an act that says in here to stand. Standing is an act of resistance. It's an act of resistance that says, even as the enemy is coming and I engage with God, I'm going to stand and be strong in the Lord. Some of us have got knocked off of the plans that God has because of the battle. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe it's in your workplace. Maybe it's something going on in the world and and you've taken a step off of the place where God had you. And yes, the struggle is real, but if we engage with God, we stand in his strength. And when we know Jesus, he equips us for all that we need. And I just wonder if some of us are not too engaged with these. That in fact, it's the, the reality that you're, you know there's a battle, but you're not engaging with God as much as you are with social media, with Fox News, CNN, woo, both ends of the spectrum, I got you. I don't care what news, I'm not telling you what news outlet to listen to. I'm just saying, if you spend 20 hours with it, engaged with it, that maybe, maybe you're not fully equipped to stand engaged with God in the battle. That maybe we need to engage with him more, to be in his word, to be worshiping, to have our minds renewed and focused in the ways that are ready. One of my deepest prayers for our church, you can write this down and join me if you feel led. I am praying that Pathway would be a healthy, prevailing, multiplying church. We're getting healthy. We're going to see breakthrough. We're going to prevail. And I believe he wants us to multiply. But you better believe we're going to have to be engaged with God in the battle. We're going to have to know him in new ways to be able to withstand the things that come our way. 2010, I had the privilege to be a part of a season I'll never forget. We were, as part of a ministry we had started, and we were handed a uh, facility, literally a 130,000 square foot building. It's a former Sears building, 10 and a half acres of land donated to our ministry. What I didn't know is that with that was going to come lawsuits and zoning issues and injunctions in warfare, that all I can tell you is that season, what God was doing was going to use that facility for a higher purpose. That in fact, he had different plans than we anticipated. And that through that season, through the battle, we would be so engaged with God. We would learn that, that when we're facing an enemy that's throwing lies our way, that it's God's word that renews us. 
When the atmosphere is so evil and wicked that we cannot, we feel like we're almost losing our mind. Anybody? Anybody been a little stressed this week? Anybody on the way to church today, right? (laughs) That when we turn on worship, that worship changes the atmosphere. There was a season where literally I bought a CD player. Some of you younger folks don't even know what one of those is. It was a little disc that spun fast. And so I placed one of those in our building and I played worship 24-7. I don't recall if it was a year or two years. I didn't care what the electric bill was. All I knew is that place we were going to engage with God and worship was going to change things. What do you need to do in your home, your workplace, maybe in your truck or your car to engage with God and to change the atmosphere? Because when we engage with him, things begin to change. He also provides us, as we said, be strong in the Lord. He provides us with strength and resiliency. Jesus never promised it would be easy. We will suffer. We will go through things. But our God is a God who strengthens us in the battle as we engage with him. And he also renews us and provides a resiliency that we bounce back. And you would think after a couple thousand years of this, the enemy would give up. Like how, how ignorant is he, right? To not see that God's people engaged with God are going to bounce back every single time. Let me read to you out of 1 Peter, a passage that's meant a lot to me. And I hope encourages you around what does it mean to find strength and resiliency in the face of suffering. 1 Peter 5, verses 6 through 11. It says, humble, say humble. humble. Y'all, we got to check our pride if we're going to win the battle. It begins there. We can't do it without depending on God. We have to check our pride. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Think of it this way. He roars, but his bite is nowhere near what we think it is. He's loud, but he's not in charge. It says, resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will himself. No, notice, here's where the resiliency comes in. You've been beat up by the politics in our country. You've been beat up by your marriage. You've been beat up by your workplace. You've been beat up by COVID. Hear this word today. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. That is good news, church. When we engage with God, he is able to restore and to renew us. 
In Ephesians 6, verse 13, it says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. So we recognize the war and the ultimate warrior. We engage with God. And then the A is we need to armor up. It's football season, y'all. Come on. Who, any other football fans? Okay, yeah. It is a fun time of year. And, and the thing about football is there's the preparation. There, there's the preseason workouts. There's the going through the motions. There's, okay, now we got the shoulder pads and the helmet on. Now we start hitting, so we put the rest of the suit on. My son is playing ninth grade football here in town. And uh, yeah, it's so much fun. Like, and I'm trying not to relive glory days through him. He's, he actually, it's so, much, it's so great. He loves to get in the car with me and say, Dad, what did you see? What, what did I do well? What can I work on? And so I used to coach too. So I, I have a ton of fun with him. Uh, and he asked me the other day, he said, Dad, how do I compare to you at that age? Well, son, I would have kicked your tail. No, no. I actually told him, I said, buddy, you at your age, there was one area I might have been a little bit ahead of you, but every other area, you are way ahead, and I'm so proud of you. He's doing so well, and it encourages me, and, and we have fun with it, but you know what he showed me last night? So Thursday, they, they had their first scrimmage. Everyone suited up. The one thing, though, was that his team didn't actually put their pads in their pants, so last night, he showed me his first battle wound. He pulled up his short leg, and he said, Dad, look at this, and he had this massive bruise. I don't even know if Mom knows this yet. <laughs> She's shaking her head. <laughs> I'm more excited about football than she is, I'll just tell you that. And so he's got this big battle wound, right? And then I thought of this text, put on the full armor of God. And I realized, like, that's often what some of us have done, is we haven't armored up fully. We have areas of our life that, that aren't fully his, and therefore we're taking a beating in that space. We're getting bruised and beaten in places that were meant to have the victory. And as I read this next piece to you, I want to make a couple of connections for you. Because I grew up in the church and I heard about, you know, I'm in the Lord's army and the armor of God and, and all these things. And, and it was hard for me to remember what all the pieces were. It was hard to me, for me to remember what does that look like? You see, if I recognize the war, I engage with God and then I need to armor up. Here's what Paul was getting at. To armor up and to put on the full armor is to put on Jesus. That in fact, as I read through this list, every piece of armor... Jesus provides. And throughout all of Paul's other writings, he says, put on Christ. Put on Christ. You see, when we are engaged with God and fully surrendered to Jesus in every area of our life, we will be armored up. We will be ready to stand in the battle. And so as I read this, look at what it means for you to put on Jesus in every area. Verse 14. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. 
In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And so by standing in Jesus, I want to just give you quickly and go through these pieces of armor. To look at what does it mean to stand in Jesus in this armor. Let me show you a picture first of what Paul was using as a metaphor. This is a graphical illustration that has to do with Roman armor. You see, Paul was writing from a Roman prison. He he knew that they were used to Rome and Roman soldiers conquering. That in fact, many of God's people had been held in captivity and were under subjection to the Roman Empire. And so he knew immediately that this was a way that they could easily understand because they could see it. Don't you love how practical God's word is? And so he, he says the belt of truth. You know, God's word is truth. And this truth that we have, this belt of truth, he starts with, it holds it all together. You you see, truth is integrity. Truth is this piece of us that becomes whole in Jesus. And with truth and integrity in place, holding it all together, we find real freedom. You ever felt like in one place you have to be one person and another place another Wouldn't it be nice to just be the same person everywhere you went? That we would have this belt of truth that no matter where we showed up, like you need to know you are welcome to ask my family if I'm like this at at home. Because if I'm somebody different on this stage than I am at home or out in the community, there's a lack of integrity there, a lack of truth. Now to be clear, I don't turn on a mic and preach at my family. Okay? So there's a side of how I deliver things that, yes, is different than how I am in the home, all right? But the truth of who I am, the essence of who I am, that's what he's saying is put on Jesus in the belt of truth. Find real freedom. Be whoever you're supposed to be wherever you are. Secondly, he says the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness guards the heart. That, in fact, our heart becomes like Jesus is, and he wasn't just alluding here to Roman armor. He was actually referencing something from the book of Isaiah. Actually, in Isaiah 59, let me read to you a couple verses, and you'll see where he got this, because in these particular verses, in chapter 58 of Isaiah, he had said you need to pray and fast for righteousness and justice. And then in chapter 59, he says, God is showing up as that righteousness and justice, That Jesus is actually showing up to make a difference in our world. The Messiah has come. And when we put on the breastplate of righteousness, guess what? We are covered by Jesus. But we're also meant to have his heart and to go into every dark place, every hard situation, and help make wrongs right. We are to carry the breastplate of righteousness into the enemy's territory. And this would have been revolutionary for them to hear this. Because in Isaiah, as I read this to you, it was God doing it. Verse 16 and 17 of Isaiah 59. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. This is in the book of Isaiah. 
He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. When Paul writes this in Ephesians 6, he's saying what God once did with righteousness and justice, you're now going to put on as a breastplate and you're going to engage in the ways that he once did. It is revolutionary. It is unbelievable to think about. So when our heart breaks for broken things in our world, whether it's Afghanistan, whether it's Haiti, whether it's something here in Indian River County, you better believe that our God wants us to walk into those situations to take that broken heart and that burden and to, to do what he would do in the situation. Church, can I get an amen? amen? And that's what leads to the next piece of armor, the gospel of peace, which is on our feet. He, he says that there's this gospel of peace. It's actually our footwear. I, I see it as something that is twofold. It's so we don't get a, give up a foothold to the enemy, but it's also so that we run quickly to make peace. What does that mean? That at the center of the gospel, underlying its foundation, our foundation is the gospel of peace, which is, that was weird. If you're watching online, I dropped a water bottle behind me and it freaked me out. Um, so we stand on this firm foundation, okay? And that firm foundation is actually because of peace, which we find through forgiveness, say forgiveness. Oh boy. Paul is saying that if we aren't forgiving, if we aren't quick to run to forgive, that we are giving up ground to the enemy. Part of the firm foundation is this gospel of peace that is found when we are quick to forgive. Forgiveness doesn't mean that it makes what they did right, it means that you're not going to be bound by it. You're not going to be held by it. And you trust Jesus for ultimate justice. Some of us need to put on the shoes of forgiveness and peace. And we'll find that we're standing on firm ground. As Paul goes on here, he talks about the shield of faith. And the Roman shield was something that was used not just to extinguish arrows of the enemy. Think of the lies, the thoughts. You ever gone to bed and, and just like felt so discouraged or woke up maybe a little grumpy? Or maybe during the day you have a moment where somebody cuts you off on A1. What's 60? Is it just 60? Is that all we call it? Right? 58 and 60. Wow, that is a moment. Right? And so what Paul is saying is, listen, there's this shield of faith. And that shield of faith is to extinguish the arrows, the lies, the moments where we're tempted to act like we used to act. He's saying, put up the shield of faith. And the thing about the Roman shield, if we can go back to that graphic, please, is this Roman shield, they would actually interlock these that one shield would stand next to another and they would be locked. And, and they would actually use those shields and then start advancing together. That the soldiers would take ground, not, not one of them, but collectively with their shields up, they were protected. Can you see what that might mean in the body of Christ? I want to tell you, uh, a couple months ago, we had a situation here on campus. It was equal parts weird. <laughs> It, it, it had elements of mental health 
It had elements of drug addiction, potentially. And it had elements of spiritual warfare all tied together. And, and when we faced that moment, I happened to be here on campus. But, but it started in a space on campus where I wasn't there. It was actually Pastor Nate, our youth and young adult pastor, that encountered this individual in this weird situation. And so he got another believer, another leader, and they actually came and found me. And, and I happened to be here, and we together locked our shields of faith. And y'all, we had the victory that night. God provided and did something that he couldn't do alone, I couldn't do alone, but together, and this is why when I use the phrase often better together, I believe it to my core. That when we link arms together, and I, I have more stories I could share of moments of victory, facing things that you're not quite sure what's going on, you're not quite sure is it spiritual warfare, what is this, and then together we see victory. Remember it said to humble. Part of this whole deal is being humble enough to admit we need God. That we need him. And that leads to the shield of faith and how we use it together. There's two more pieces of armor mentioned. The helmet of salvation. This is a mind rescued and renewed in the Lord Jesus is the one who saves us and rescues us, the helmet of salvation, a mind rescued and renewed in him. And then secondly is the sword of the Spirit, which we learn in Hebrews 4.12 that this word is not another book. It's not another piece of literature. It is living and active. This is the sword of the Spirit. It's the one weapon we're given. How did Jesus battle the enemy in Matthew chapter 4 when he was tempted in the wilderness? He quoted correctly the word of God that the enemy was quoting and manipulating. It's the sword of the Spirit that will help equip us. So by standing in Jesus with this armor, the very last thing is the L. It's to lift in prayer. Paul in here, let me read to you these last three verses. He says, praying at all times, verse 18, in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all, say all. All perseverance, making supplication for what? All the saints. Yep, same word. We'll do it again in a minute, okay? Um, uh, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me that words may be given to me in the opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Paul reminds them that it's in prayer that we ultimately are saying, God, I'm dependent on you. I need you. Prayer for all. He uses the word all four times because he really means that, listen, whether we're in our car, whether we're at home, whether we're going into a meeting, whether we're walking into a hospital room waiting on results, he's saying at all times we can pray all things for each of you, each of our, not just for ourselves, but for each of us. It's like breathing. We just learn to, to, to pray, to say, God, I need you. I need you. So we lift in prayer, and it's because we need his provision. Paul is so humble, he's saying, pray that I'm bold. 
You, you see, there's something God does with a humble heart. When somebody says, God, I need you, I, ne- I need you, the struggle is real. I'm depending on you. And we as a church are a praying church. We are a praying church, church. I'm going to speak that over to us until we believe it. We are a praying church. And we will grow into what it means to be a praying church. Because I believe when we lift up in prayer, we're going to see God moving. We're going to see people getting healthy. We're going to see prevailing and breakthroughs in areas that we've waited for. Some of it will be in your life. Some of it will be in our life. And we'll also see God's power multiplying in ways that I can't even wait to see. And we're going to give him all the glory. So church, I want to invite you to do something new. Something I I felt led back in June and I've been waiting for this moment. I've been praying, I've been doing it myself and I've been waiting and waiting and waiting and I know today's the day. If this is your home church, even if you're new and you feel led, you can jump right in. Every Wednesday, we're gonna start this initiative called New Wine Wednesday. Say it with me, New Wine Wednesday. Now, what that means, this is not a wine club. Okay, to be clear, to be clear, in Luke chapter 5, they come to Jesus and they say, why aren't your disciples praying and fasting like the other religious people? And he says to them, you know what? They're not because I'm here. But when the groom is no longer here, they will pray and fast. And in verse 36 through 38 of Luke 5, he said, he also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But the new wine must be put into fresh, new wineskins. Y'all see it now? We're gonna lift in prayer together every Wednesday for the foreseeable future. What I'm inviting you to do is pick one meal, maybe two, if you really want to go for it, three. And to pray and to fast as a church, to lift into prayer. Join our Facebook group and our e-news will be throughout you know, the weeks ahead. We'll be telling you, hey, here's a prayer point that we're agreeing on together. I believe if we collectively start to say, God, we need your provision. We need new wine. We want to experience your best. That we're going to see the victory in ways that some of us have prayed for, some of us haven't even imagined yet. So whatever that looks like, we start this Wednesday. If you're not ready, pray about it. Give it a couple weeks. But even just one meal from a church hungering and thirsting for that new wine and God's power I believe is going to make a huge difference. Amen? Three closing questions for you as we look at this. Is there a battle in your life right now that you need to turn to Jesus with? Is it unforgiveness? Is it a relationship issue? Is it a workplace issue? Is it maybe your mind? Maybe you've been battling thoughts and you're like, oh, now maybe I see that it's not just me, that there's an enemy feeding me this stuff. What is the battle? Secondly, how do you need to get real today? That acronym I gave you, how do you need to get real? Which of those four items do you need to get real with? 
And then the third question, will you commit to praying and fasting with us each Wednesday to be a part of New Wine Wednesdays? Y'all, the struggle is real, but our God is even greater. And he is real and able. Amen? I'm going to pray over us, and then I'll lead us in to the next moment and the time where we get to respond together. Father, we love you, and we are so humbled by your word. I thank you for the authority that is there in your word, an authority that you impart to each of us, that as we receive you, Jesus, as our Lord and Savior, as we give you every part of our life, we are armored up and able to be victorious in these battles. Father, I pray today that as we have engaged in this with you, that right now in this moment, we would engage with you personally. For those online, for those in this room, I pray that we would surrender areas that maybe we have held back. Areas that are vulnerable and weak right now, that are broken, that we've been trying to battle it on our own. I pray for surrender. That we would lay it down and allow you to lead us into victory. Father, we give you this time. We pray that at the altars, in our seats and at home, that your spirit would work as we surrender all to you. We thank you for the victory over the struggle. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're able to stand, I want to encourage you. It said to stand, to be strong. If you're able, let's stand in the Lord's presence. Let's go to God and engage with him. The altars are open. The kneeling benches, if you want prayer, we have prayer partners. But let's go to him for the victory. In Jesus' name, let's do it. Mercy and grace of
counterintuitive, isn't it? 
We think of battles and victory not coming in surrender, but coming through our strength and our triumph. As we learn today, the struggle is real, but it's through surrender to Jesus that we find the victory. Covered a lot of ground today. If you need the notes, you can email us, pathwayvb.com slash FYI. It's there for you every week. Can't wait to see what God's going to do with this as we walk in victory, as we walk together through the struggles. If you need prayer, whether you're online or in person, please let us know. We'll stay after and available to pray with you. Second thing I want to mention is we'll wrap up. I'll wrap up Ephesians 6 next week. And as we do that, it's gonna, we'll look at knowing our season, knowing your season. What does, it know, what does it mean to work through the seasons of life together? I want to encourage you to come back for that. Then I am just so encouraged by the heart of our staff. We have an incredible staff here at Pathway, don't we? Can we give them a hand? For a few weeks, we've been looking to honor and have a reception for uh, Nate Adams. And Nate and his family have, have really battled with COVID over the last month or so. And so this week, we collectively as a staff got together and be- believed that what we needed to do was to actually, rather than a reception, because he's still going to be here at the church, why don't we provide some real care? And so we want to encourage you. We're all a part of giving to this. You can go to GoFundMe. The link is there. If you just go to pathwayvb.com slash Nate, if you could be a part of that in any size, shape, or form to just bless Nate and his family. Our benevolence side will cover any fees if you're worried about a third-party platform. We just want to pour out blessing and love on our brother. Amen? Father, we love you and thank you. We lift up Nate and his family and just pray that you continue to meet them with healing and health. God, we thank you for those that can be a part of this to just show them love and blessing and practical care. Father, as we walk forward together, I pray that as we love you and love all people in our pathway, that in the struggle, we would have new language, new ways of finding the victory together. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters to be strong in the Lord and to walk in your mighty power this week. And we will give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great week. Go down and be the church. If you're a visitor, come to our Welcome Center. We have a gift for you.